Hello, this is Lisa Hazard with the podcast We're All Psychic. I'm going back to a podcast I did a couple weeks ago, months ago, years ago, it feels like this year. And let's not talk about last year and how long ago that was. So in that podcast I called Reflecting, I had said I wanted to start teaching and invited anyone else who would like to teach something to contact me, let me know. I had said that I wanted to talk about changing the way uh, we think, changing the way I think, the way I've done it, and the reasons you want to do it, if you want to do it at all. The reason I wanted to do it was when I was younger, I was not a happy person. I'm going to talk about some personal things from when I was a lot younger, so that maybe anyone listening might relate and find something useful in this podcast. This has been... Learning to control my thoughts, well, I don't know if I have control of them. They're pretty crazy. But learning to work with my thoughts and understand them, monitor them, and then, yes, change them, really changed my entire outlook and life. I don't think I'd be alive right now if I hadn't done that. And I still do it. It's a process. It's a process. And it's a wonderful process. It freed me. So I'll begin with when I was uh, younger, about t- teenager. I think I've talked about it before in the first podcast when I was very young. And in middle school, those kind of years, I didn't fit in. I didn't feel like I fit in. I don't think anybody really fit in. If they felt like that. If they did, then they were very fortunate because they probably thought clearly. <laughs> so I had a lot of distorted thinking. I have diagnosis of schizoaffective disorder. And I take medications for it, but the medications work. I really needed some extra help when I was younger with my thinking, which is the main problem I had. I just had distorted thinking. What kind of distorted thinking? Um, I thought I wasn't worthy of anything. I thought that everybody hated me. I thought that when I met somebody and I liked them, there was no way they would like me. And that's not just romantically. That's just every way. I was very socially awkward. Um, Into my 20s, I was a musician, but I couldn't really perform because I was so anxious about it. I would make friends, and I never really felt close to anybody. I had boyfriends, and I never really felt connected to them. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. Sometimes with friends and sometimes with family, I'd feel connected. And I'm talking about feelings now. But what was blocking me wasn't my feelings. It was my thinking. And what was it blocking me from? It was blocking me from being happy, from understanding who I was and accepting it. Instead, I was very self-focused in a very damaging way. For those of you who might not know, schizoaffective disorder is having symptoms of schizophrenia and symptoms of bipolar disorder separately from each other twice or more. (laughs) I think is how it goes. Uh, Six months apart or something like that's official diagnostic terms. So what is schizophrenia? A lot of people don't really understand what schizophrenia is. It is a thought disorder. It's something wrong with the way you think or the person who has it. And they say wrong. Uh, Yeah, I said wrong, but it's usually your thinking is distorted. My thinking was very distorted when I was younger. Schizophrenia is where you have split personalities, like a lot of people have thought over the years. It's more of delusions and hallucinations when you have positive symptoms, they call it. And when you have negative symptoms, um, it's a lot of depression, a lot of nothing, a lot of blunt effect, they call it. Where your face and your muscle tone is just limp. 
and you feel pretty much nothing, or you think nothing. You have no stimulation. Um, where the thinking gets distorted is both ways. When you have the positive symptoms, I would have hallucinations. I would have delusions. I would have extremes in my perception. And what does that mean? I guess it's like, it's when I started working with my psychic energy that things started getting better. But that's not what I was doing at the time. I didn't think I was. I was seeing a therapist. Her name was Sheila. I was 22, I think, when I first started visiting Sheila. And I saw her until I was 26. And this is in Madison, Alabama. I had not been to a therapist before. I was anxious about it. But the minute I met her, I just loved her. She taught me from the beginning that I had power over my thoughts. I didn't understand what she was talking about. I thought this was just the thing I had to do to get better. I didn't know what was going on, but I loved talking to Sheila. She made me feel better. And as a therapist, she would relate to me with stories from her life and ways that she got better from her problems, which was really unique, I thought, for a therapist. Now, at the time, I was just like, that's cool. She tells me about herself. I didn't know that's not what a lot of therapists do. They don't really communicate that way, the ones I've seen other than her. And, you know, the one thing she really got through to me the first few visits I saw her was that there was somebody out there who had done it. She had problems of her own growing up and in her 20s with her own, well, I guess you could say her own distortions of reality. And she taught me techniques based on mindfulness therapy, which if you haven't heard of that, it's basically being really conscious of your thoughts and your reactions, emotional and otherwise. It's hard to look back and summarize four years and try to break it down into a podcast <laughs> of what she taught me. But the main things I want to talk about are the things I remember. And uh, my memory is not that great slowly coming back, but let's bring it back around to the psychic and the magic. About uh, six or eight months into seeing Sheila, I I don't remember this now. Uh, Sheila and I always stayed in touch after she counseled me. And I moved to Phoenix, and we still stayed in touch. And when I came home to Alabama, we actually got to see each other and everything. And I was her age when she first started offering me therapy <laughs> when I saw her again. I was 39, I think. Maybe a little young. I can't remember. It's nothing like that. Those, those days in her office, she had a... An office that was, I can't, it was like off of, well, if you're not from Alabama, you won't want to know where it was. But it was on a little road in Madison, and she was like on the second floor, and the office was painted really neutral colors, and a window, and there was a closet. She let me sit on the beanbag. I didn't like, I didn't like sitting in chairs. I like sitting on the floor. And she just, she just, the way she looked at me, the way it felt around her, she was so accepting. And I didn't understand how I could feel this way about someone I'm supposed to talk about everything that's wrong with me with. But that's not what therapy was. I found out it wasn't talking about what was wrong with me. It was finding out what was right with me and working with that. Mindfulness therapy is about, um, like I said, looking at your reactions and seeing where they came from all the way back down like at the dinosaurs reversed if you have watched or listened to the tarot podcast getting to the root of an issue that is like 
It's hard to do sometimes, but especially when you have a thought disorder. For me, it was very hard to do to get to the bottom of things because the bottom of things for me was bottomless or at the end of the bottom was always dead, death, destruction, mayhem. So I was a bit uh, morbid. Yeah, I was morbid and pessimistic and depressed. Uh, my husband called me. We did dated. We dated then, and uh, well, we spent. I think I've talked about that on the podcast. We spent ten years apart. We got back together, but when I first dated him, he called me negative Nancy, and now he, he, I think he calls me positive Polly or something. <laughs> no, he's never called me that. But um, it's a lot different than I was. A lot different when I came back and we dated the second time, and I told him it was because of beginning the mindfulness therapy and then carrying it through. So bringing back the magic. About six months into my sessions with Sheila, she says now that I had asked her if she was a white witch. And when we got back to talking in person again, she told me she was indeed a white witch. <laughs> and I was pretty, not surprised, but very excited. So. That's when I got to talk to Sheila for real about this kind of stuff. Sheila is the first person other than my first husband that I told I thought I was psychic to. And I thought I was a crazy person for saying it. Um, I had said I had said I thought I was to a few people. I thought I had these experiences. I thought something might be going on other than schizophrenia, other than psychosis. And psychosis is the term for having the positive symptoms of schizophrenia, the delusions. The hallucinations. I would like to step back and just explain what hallucinations and delusions are like for me, if you're curious. They're not that much different than a psychic experience, except there is an element of... Hmm, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I'm not there. I'm not controlling those types of thoughts or impressions. I'm not creating them consciously. Let me give you an example. I think delusions are probably something that most people can relate to more than hallucinations. And this is why. A delusion completely takes over my thinking, my perception, and everything I experience is colored by the delusion. So this can be just any perception. With a schizophrenic, the delusion is usually, not always, but a lot, it's a pretty grand thing. It's detailed, it's layers of layers of thought. And when I would have psychosis, and most people who are, when they're psychotic, they can associate things to other things that are not related. That's part of being delusional. Like, uh, I'm sitting here in the office, which is a closet and an office. And I'm looking around, everything looks normal. But, you know, I was psychotic a few weeks ago, and it's been a long time since I've been psychotic, but I caught it. And uh, it was a couple days before I caught it and realized it. I had a mime in the clothis. It was a little mime. He was about a foot tall. And I knew it wasn't a mime. It was just the way a couple of pillows were piled up. And it looked like a little one-foot mime out of the corner of my eye. And it, to me, it felt like it had a presence, felt like a spirit, felt like an entity, it felt like a being. And I knew it wasn't. How did I know? Because I wasn't delusional. I was just psychotic and hallucinating. Well, there was some delusional thinking going on with this particular psychosis I just had. So 
let me explain how the dilution part might work with that hallucination. Um, so it gets kind of personal to talk about the actual delusions because they're so crazy, my friends. They're so crazy. They don't make any sense when I come out of them. I'm like, what? What? Why did I get that? Why was I doing that? So a delusion is a grand story or something like that that's playing out in my imagination and plays over reality, I guess you could say, like almost like two videotapes playing at the same time on the same TV. And um, when I am psychotic, the delusion would be more prominent. The So in this case with the mime in the clubis, if I had been delusional, I would have thought the mime was part of the delusion I was living. But in this case, it, it, I was just really lucky because I realized it was not a real mime. <laughs> it was not a real one foot mime. And that, that was before I realized I was psychotic. But, you know, being a psychic, I do have a lot of non-hallucination hallucinations. I do see things that aren't there that make sense, that are not one foot mimes, just pillow combinations. So where is the distinction for me? That's where I want to get back to how to really get into your thinking and look at what makes you think what you think and where it comes from. Where does it come from? Like, let's say, say you're just sure, you're just so sure that you aren't psychic. There's no possible way. It can't. You can't have any intuitive feelings. That's all. The, you know, read the science, dudes. There's no such thing as psychic. I mean, people have experiences, but that's a delusion. Maybe a lot of people say that about psychics or, you know, intuitive readers or witches or anybody who practices energy work. There are skeptics, of course. And um, I was a skeptic, too, especially when I was experiencing delusions and hallucinations because it was somebody, something else thinking for me. How did I tell the difference? Medication, my friends, and a lot of good therapy. So let's get back to the therapy. Sheila taught me a simple little equation. A plus B equals C. This is a mindfulness technique. A is action plus B is belief equals C consequences. I'm really pulling this out of my uh, <laughs> long ago memory here, but um, I think that's how it goes. So you look at what action happened, what belief is there, and what you put, okay, uh, I'm not doing this right. Let's see. Let's say, let me give you a scenario. That'll make it easier. Let's say when I was 23, I went to the grocery store and I was really self-conscious. Let's say I go to the store and I'm 23 and I'm in a delusion for one thing. I'm having hallucinations for another thing. And I'm just so sure the person at the counter is involved in my grand delusion and they are out to give me some kind of clue as to what the real story is. I mean, that's like, it's really intense when you're in delusion and go to the store. <laughs> and um, so Sheila taught me to look at the actions and the beliefs that I had behind and around the actions that took place or that I took and see what the consequences of putting those two together are. So I go to the store. I'm in a delusion. I think the checkout person is part of my delusion and I start having a panic attack and I run out. Let's just say that as a scenario. Well, with help from what Sheila taught me, I could look back 
after I got in my car and had my panic attack and go, okay, what was the action? The action, what action? What was it? It was the way the grocery clerk looked at me. It was the look in their eye. What does that mean? I was like, what does that mean? It was the look in their eye could be an action. Well, I had a reaction to that look in their eye. Their look, who knows what they're thinking or what they're doing or what they're feeling. I had a reaction and that was the action. What was my belief? My belief was the delusion. So the delusion was coloring the action and the consequence was freaking out because I didn't understand what was happening and why I was experiencing these things. So then being able to break it down like that, I could separate, okay, that clerk didn't have any intention toward me and is no part of, of my delusion. <laughs> First of all, I have to realize I'm delusional, which I usually can. You know, I can usually pick that up after a while. But in this case, we'll say I was in my my nether, <laughs> my nether ether, ether. <laughs> but that would be um, I kind of always even even in my worst delusional states or worst psychosis. And I say worse because they can be really nightmares. Even in the deepest delusion or the most horrifying hallucinations. There's a part of me that's still there going, what is going on? This is not right, dude. It's not right. This ain't going on. It is not me. This is not me causing this. This is something else causing this. So that really helped when I would go back, look at my thinking and the actions and the beliefs. And I would see that that's not, my, that's not really what I believe. I don't really believe this delusion. It's just my brain is thinking this delusion all the time. So being able to separate, like, what I was experiencing as everybody else experienced as reality and my self-absorbed or self-centered or not self, I guess it's like self-focused, self-focused side all sucked into um, everything that happened in my mind, in my brain, couldn't get out. And then when I had these skills to be able to, someone said to me, you can analyze this in this way and you can break it down and you have power over these things that are dominating your life. Maybe it was just having someone say that to me that meant something. But it was the work I had to put into. And Sheila was very good with just always listening and always sending out the right energy to me to heal. It's really hard to heal when I was especially never having had a time in my life when I was at peace, except when I was a little girl. I was a little girl. It was around 12 when things started getting kind of crazy for me. But when I was a little girl, I just loved being in the woods. I just ran around in the woods all the time. I had a cat named Buttercup. And we just all, I just remember going out there. And when I was a little older, I had friends. And my friend Wendy would go with me. And we had a fort. We had thorn walls. We had a wildflower garden. We had it all, you know, and the cat. And, and uh, yeah, there were some neighborhood kids who knocked down our our fort that stuff and we rebuilt it and um those were happy times so I, at least I had that to look back at I could still remember my early childhood I still can really really well remember my early childhood but it's probably because I thought about it a lot and ran it over in my memory because it were happy times so I would think about them a lot reach back and just imagine being in that fort in the wildflower garden and just sitting in the sun with my hair and the leaves and ah just feel it right now can't you 
why am I talking about all this as a podcast for a psychic podcast? Well, I want to hopefully help people figure out that they can change their minds. (laughs) So if you are a skeptic, maybe you can look at your actions and your beliefs and the consequences of them and see why, if, if you are a skeptic, how you might be losing out or missing out on some of life by thinking that way. Or maybe you're safer. I don't know, because, you know, witches and psychics are all scary, right? They're terrifying people. Terrifying. Absolutely. But if my hypothesis is true, then you're psychic and you just can't do anything about it. You can think you're not, I guess. I'll let you do that. So I also want to help people who are working with their energy, of course. That's why I'm doing the podcast, one of the many reasons. So what can this technique do for you? Well, it can look you can you can really examine your belief system this way and how it's shaped by your actions or your reactions. How your beliefs uh come from just input from other people, input from you, input from like if you are psychotic, input from wherever that comes from. And you can examine it and find out why you're having a hard time if you are. How can you apply this to energy work? If you're working with your energy, say you're working with your empathy, and you're trying to identify where the feelings are yours or the feelings are someone else's, because that's really the beginning of, for me, that was the beginning of the empath journey. Like, where are my feelings and where are their feelings? Whose are whose? I talked about that before on the podcast. So, Looking at my reactions and my belief system would help me realize which emotions were mine and which emotions were other people's. And then I had to wrap my head around that I was actually experiencing feeling other people's emotions. So there's a lot of processing going on. But when I did the A plus B plus C, to me, the logical answer was that I was an empath. The actions were I was feeling nothing. The belief system was... Like, let's give you an example for this, for an an empath uh, with the A, B, C, A plus B, 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 C. So if an empath, uh, you, everybody, and as an empath, you are sitting next to your sister and she's in, she's reading a book, let's say, and you are on your phone and your sister suddenly just puts the book down. So you feel something right? You notice that she puts the book down and she doesn't huff. She doesn't do anything, but you just think she's pissed. Why is my sister pissed? What's going on here? And you just sense it. What is that? How would you know she's pissed? Would it be like a little tick of her pinky finger? Was that the little physical cue? Or is it energy? You're feeling her irritation. And then you ask her, are you okay? And she says, no, I just read this book and the end just ticked me off. The characters all died. Everybody died at the end. And, um, So you take your A plus B equals C. The action is your sister's emotions. That's kind of interesting. What's your belief system there? So what do you believe? Do you believe you felt her emotions? Do you believe that, like when, if I were in this scenario, I only have a soul sister. I don't have a sister sister. But if I were in this situation with my soul sister, I'd be like, well, A, action. I can just tell because what? What? Where are the words for this? Empath. There's a word for us. 
It's a word everybody can associate with these days, I think. So it helped me realize the distinctions between when I was feeling mine and, let's say, my soul sister's emotions. So what is the benefit of being able to do this other than that? Well, you can do it with your thinking, too, with your, with your psychic side that perceives with thought, like claircognizance or clairsentience. What you do is, let me give you an example. So it's a little conceptual. Emotions and empathy, I think a lot of people can grasp that pretty well. But when I talk about with other people the, the thoughts, the thoughts of psychic stuff, the way psychic or energy works with thoughts, that's where it gets a little confusing to explain. Because thinking is, uh, well, it's pretty abstract <laughs> when you think about it. Thinking is abstract. Abstract thinking isn't the simplest thing to wrap our everything around because everybody thinks differently, right? Nobody thinks the same. Nobody thinks at all the same. Um, and that's one of the things that makes each person so very unique is the thinking. And, and you know, we go back to tarot and the swords. If, if you think of the suits in tarot, the swords are the thinky, thinky, thinky. And the thinky in the tarot is, is usually considered, no, no, you don't want to think. You don't want to think. You see a sword, you got to think. And it's always some kind of horrible thought. <laughs> but, you know, thoughts are the manifestation of our imaginations. So, well, that's just wonderful. Looking at that example with my soul sister and empathy and uh, take it over to a thought. Let's say I'm sitting next to my soul sister and I, <laughs> well, my soul sister and I have a thing called radar love. And uh, I think I've talked about that before. So we will often say things at the same time and we will text each other at the same time and, and not have talked to each other in days or weeks even sometimes. And right at the same time, we'll write each other. Um, I guess that's kind of a mental connection like radar love. We are in tune and she's very psychic. Uh, she works with it. So it's not even like we joke about it and laugh about it. It's kind of one of the little charms of our friendship. And let me see. So if I did A plus B equals C with um, radar love, the action is mysterious. It's coincidence or is it? That's another podcast. Or in the belief system is that I believe I am connected to my soul sister. And there's proof of it. And the consequence is a happy friendship. So that's one way to break down the thinking into a positive. And positive thinking is the goal. <laughs> it really is. If, if I think positively, I'm not unhappy. Uh, if I think about other people and I think positively, and I think with gratitude, Usually I'm going to find some happiness and I'm going to find some answers, which is a big deal for me. I'm always looking for answers and I'm always looking for more questions. There's just infinite many things to do in life. And the biggest benefit I found from positive thinking is that I want to do them all in life, all the cool things there are to do. So I'm going to break this podcast into two separate podcasts. Um, this one is just part one, <laughs> be creative with it. And, um, 
for the second half of this podcast, I am going to read a little bit from a book I wrote under the pen name Clara Masai. I want to teach you guys some mantras and meditation techniques. I'm going to probably change it up some because that book was written a really long time ago. And then after that, I want to talk about my friend Allie and what she did for me. She is the one who she was on the podcast, Allie's Bag of Tricks. And on Instagram in 20 minutes, she relieved me of agoraphobia through a technique very much like mindfulness. So if you like, stay tuned and listen to the next podcast. Dot, dot, dot to be continued.